What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Motor City Hoops, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and Thunderous Applause, plus our coaching-focused podcasts. Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first ever episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst podcast, and um... Yeah, so this <laughs> is our 10 games into the season. Um, yeah, and they haven't been too great so far. Uh, they're 2-8, and eight, uh, 15th in the Eastern Conference, 30th in the NBA. Um, if the season ended, ended today, they would get a top five pick in the draft guaranteed, which, you know, maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world with a you know, top five in the draft kind of starting to come together. Um, but, you know, at, there's a lot of basketball still uh, yet to be played. There's 62 games left in the Wizards season, so there's plenty of time to turn it around. Um, so as things stand right now, uh, I'm recording this as of Sunday, January 10th. So these stats are going to be of, you know, Sunday, January 10th. Um, so per cleaning the glass, which kind of filters out like garbage time and um, uh, heaves at the end of quarters, that kind of stuff. Um, the Wizards are 12th in offensive rating at 112.4 points per possession, which is, you know, really good. Uh, above average offense, you know, should be enough to win more than two games. But um, 24th in defensive rating at 114.4, which is, you know, it's bad, but it's not like terrible. It's not as bad as they were last year when they were, you know, one of the two worst defenses ever in the history of the NBA. So, um, yeah, so according to Raptor, which is, you know, 538's, uh, one of 538's metrics of projecting uh, the season, the Wizards are projected to win 24 games, and they have a 5% chance of making the playoffs, which <laughs> 5% is not very high, but I'm pretty sure that um, they use an 8-game or 18 playoff um, for that, and, you know, since there's a playing game, like, if the Wizards could get to, like, the 10 seed, they'd still have a chance, so I don't think, I don't know if they factor in that, I don't know how much, or if they do, how much that factors in, but, yeah, so according to ELO, which is also on... 538 site. Um, it's a little more reactionary than Raptor is. Raptor kind of uses more of their preseason stuff this early in the season, and Elo kind of uses just more what's been happening as of late. Um, the Wizards have an 8% chance to make the playoffs, so a little bit higher than Raptor, 8%, not terrible. But, um, you know, those numbers kind of might seem pretty bleak. Uh, 5 and 8% chance to make the playoffs, you know, only projecting with 24 games. But I think there could be room for a little optimism depending on, like, how you look at it. So um, just looking at cleaning the glasses numbers, uh, the Wizards' expected wins is 4.4, given their point differential, um, which is negative 1.9. So a negative 1.9 point differential over 10 games isn't necessarily that bad. Um, You know, the Wizards really should have won a couple of those games. Like, just going through their games, we've lost a couple close ones, like 
that one to the Magic, they were up by a lot. The one to the Bulls, they were up by a lot. Um, and then, like, a couple close games against, like, the Sixers. You know, the other Magic game was close. Other Bulls game was close. So a lot of these games have really come down to the wire. Those are just, like, lost all the games that have come down to the wire, which, you know, at the end of the day, um, you've got to score more points than the other team at the end of the game. But in the Wizards haven't been doing that. But they've been competing. It's not like they've been blowing out. They don't look like, you know, like the Timberwolves, who just looked awful over this little last stretch of the season. So, but so their point differential... Um, is negative 1.9, uh, and that's 22nd in the league. So, you know, they have the 30th best record, 27, 22nd best point differential. That kind of tells you they're not, like, really the worst team in the league, right? And then, but part of that does help. They beat the Timberwolves by, like, 21 points, I think. So that really does boost their point differential. Um, but, you know, none of their losses have been, like, super lopsided games. Like, they've been in all the games that they lost. I can't think of a game where... I was watching at the end of the fourth quarter and thinking that the Wizards weren't in it at all. Like, they've had a chance in all their games. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Uh, just looking at their point differential, uh, just it passes the eye test, passes the laugh test, however you want to put it. Um, so, per cleaning the glass again, their expected win total for a team of negative uh, 1.9 point differential is 36.1 wins over an 82-game season. But that would, uh, So, about 32 wins for a 72-game season. Um, you know, which isn't bad, actually, like, that's, you know, that's above their Vegas over-under. I think Vegas had them being the ninth best team in the East at about 29.5 wins. So if they end up winning 32 games this season, that, you know, that actually would not be the end of the world, right? But they're, I'm saying 32 games, but they're already behind the eight ball at this point. They're um, 30th in the league in terms of, like, win differential versus expected wins. And they've already won 1.4 games less than expected. Um, that's not right. 2.4 games less than expected, uh, which is, you know, puts them behind the eight ball already in terms of trying to get to that 32 win mark over a 72 game season. Um, but again, if they 32 wins over some 72 game season, if they can get to that mark, that should pretty easily put them into the playoff game, probably because some of these like Cleveland, you know, teams like that, Magic, uh, those types of teams, they're going to slow down. They're not going to be above 500 teams for the whole entire season, I would, you know, bet. Um, you know, if they do, then I'm wrong. But the Wizards definitely still have room to get to that 10 seed, get to that playing game, maybe even fight for that 8 seed. So, like, the way the East is right now, there's kind of like a clear top seven, depending on how you look at the Raptors. Like, if you take the Raptors out of that, then fine, just because of, like, how bad they've been playing so far this season. But it's like Pacers, Sixers, Bucks, um, Celtics, Heat, uh, I think I got them all. Pacers, Celtics, but yeah, okay. Pacers, yeah, and then the Hawks are kind of like right there. And then it's kind of been like the Knicks, the Magic, the Cavs. They've all been playing well, and the Wizards have been sucking. So um, if the Wizards can, you know, get back into that mix, then I, I can definitely see a world where they could still make, you know, the playing game. So it's kind of like, yeah, these numbers are hopeful, I guess. According to, like these clean glass numbers of all their point differential, that kind of stuff are hopeful, but like, the Wizards are still two and eight. Like getting being close in all your games doesn't count for wins. At the end of the day, the standings are based on how many wins you have. Like well, your win percentage is, and the Wizards' win percentage is twenty percent right now, which sucks. Um, so I'm kind of looking at like just why are they two and eight? Uh, their clutch stats stink. Like they are not good at the end of games. Uh, they fight hard to get back in games, but then once you get to that point where you're within like five points, they kind of don't do well. Um, so MB.com, their advanced stats site, has uh, clutch stats. 
And um, the way that they define clutch is in the last five minutes of a game within five points, which, you know, I think makes sense. Um, so in the last five minutes of the game within five points, according to NBA.com, um, the Wizards' offensive rating goes down to 83.9, which is 27th in the league, which is really, really bad. And their defensive rating goes down to 125.7, which is also really, really bad. And all this is over a 27-minute sample, which, um, if you think about it, if <laughs> there's only 50 possible minutes so far this season, so half of their minutes late in the game so far have been, you know, considered clutch minutes, which, again, goes back to that thing where, you know, they're 2-8, and eight, but they've been competing this whole time. Um, but, you know, eight of the Wizards games have had clutch minutes played. So that basically tells me that um, usually if you're playing clutch minutes, you could probably expect to win almost 50% of those games, depending on how much you're down by. But the Wizards are 1-7 in seven in those games. So if instead of 1-7, and seven, they were like 4-4 four and four in their eight clutch games, all of a sudden they would be a um, 500 team. They'd be 5-5 five and five because the Timberwolves game was in clutch and they won that one. And they've only won one clutch game, and that was against, against the uh, Brooklyn Nets. So... Um, you know, you got to pull out some more games than clutch, I guess. Um, you know, that's a very important time of the game. You got to win uh, those last five minutes if you want to win the game. So kind of just like thinking about, you know, why is it that they can't win late in games? I think there's kind of three big reasons in um, one of them, play design, uh, coaching lineup decisions, and defensive mistakes. Um, just in my opinion, like out of a timeout, I don't think Brooks is a very creative play caller. Um, you know, sometimes... Uh, it's kind of like more simple plays work out, and sometimes they don't. Um, you know, I think like other coaches, like the Nick Nurses of the world, the uh, um, even like uh, Nate Bjorkren, uh, he's called some really interesting uh, at a timeout lane game. Even like Mark Dagnalt, uh, two of those are kind of new coaches, but like also like Brad Stevens is awesome after the timeout lane games. Eric Spolster, those kind of guys, they call really really creative plays that like when I watch them, I'm just like, oh wow, that was that was awesome, and. Um, Brooks late in games doesn't do that. Um, you know, he kind of calls super simple plays. And again, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Like the He loves to run that um, out of a sideline, out of bounds, uh, late in the game, the Beal slip. Because a lot of times teams kind of like, not necessarily top lock him, but they like to play on top of him to try to not let him run off a handoff because he's so good running off handoffs and that kind of stuff. So Beal will be the inbounder. He passes the ball into like a Thomas Bryan or Russell Westbrook zone at the top of the key. And then he kind of like inches up like he's going to come off a handoff or come off a pin down or something. And then he just cuts back, um, you know, cuts back to the rim and then gets a good look a lot of the time. And that play did work in that one game against the Bulls, except Bradley Beal lost the ball um, because Kobe White came over to help. And uh, my thing would be Breton should have been in that corner. I don't remember who it was. It was like Avdia or someone like that. But I don't understand. I have no idea why Breton wouldn't have been in the corner to make it harder on Kobe White to, you know, rotate over from that weak side corner. But anyways, that was that ended up being a good play call. Um, but then a play call that didn't work was in that same game. Um, there was like 5.5 seconds left. The Wizards were down three. And they had the ball on their own um, out of bounds. So the Bulls made a free throw. The Wizards were inbounding the ball. And Brooks' play call is just Rui to chuck the ball down the court to Thomas Bryant, even though there's 5.5 seconds left. Like the general rule is um, uh, dribbles. You know, the amount of dribbles is the amount of seconds. So 5.5 seconds will be five dribbles, you know, maybe four. Um, but if you have four to five dribbles, why wouldn't you just get the ball to Bradley Beal and, you know, run a drag screen or something and try to get him a look? Or get the ball to Russell Westbrook, get him going downhill, and then like run that double pin down for Beal uh, off the ball, or you know, a floppy action for uh, Beal and uh, Bretons, or so- something like that. You know, like just get a little more creative and then just chucking the ball down the court. Like that didn't even make sense with the parameters of 
you know, how much time was left. So I, that one, that, that was like a really, really bad play call. Um, yeah, so just moving on to just lineup decisions, like some things that Scott Brooks does not make sense, um, like Bertans, I've seen him play during defensive-only possessions, which, you know, he is not a good defender at all, so I don't know why he would be playing during defense-only possessions, or, like, sometimes he doesn't play during offense-only possessions, and, like, I understand if he hasn't been shooting well all game, but just, I'll talk about this later when I talk about Bertans, but his gravity is, should get him on the floor. Like, I, there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the floor in those situations. Um, also, like, that one Magic game where he left Howell Neto on Marco Fultz, that was terrible. And then just on defense, the players make a ton of mistakes, like especially Westbrook in that one Sixers game. He made two huge defensive mistakes, leaving Ben Simmons right under the basket. That was probably the most painful thing I've ever seen in my life. That was, like, awful. Um, but the whole team, like, as a whole, they just aren't very disciplined in their matchups and their rotations defensively. And, like, once you get to the end of games, that just absolutely kills them. Um, so just... I'm going to talk about some areas of positivity for a whole and then some negatives, and then I'm going to go through some of the players and the most important guys on the team. Um, so just first of all, areas of positivity. Um, the Wizards turn the ball over not very much. Um, they're fourth in the league at 12.9% turnover rate, uh, which is you know really good. Um, that's a positive sign. If you turn the ball over, you get zero points per possession, and then the team, other team gets to get out in transition most of the time. It's a live ball. So... Um, you know, reducing turnovers is a really easy way to make your offense better. Um, and the Wizards have been doing that. Um, part of that is because their highest usage guy, which is Bradley Beal, he doesn't turn it over much, um, which is, you know, really good. And then, like, the lower usage guys, you know, the Bretons, like, barely turns it over. Avdia doesn't turn it over. Uh, Rui doesn't turn it over. Thomas Ryan doesn't turn it over. Like, no one on the team really has a very high turnover rate. The highest guy is Westbrook, but, you know, that's that's just his play style. Um, and, again, they're fourth in the league, so that's really, really positive. Um, they get to the line a good amount. They're ninth in the league with a 22.1 uh, free throw rate, uh, which is, again, really good. Free throws are the most efficient shot in the game. Um, well, if you say, like a wide open layup is obviously the you know pinnacle of what you want to get. But a free throw, um, you know, if a guy shoots like 70% from the line, that's 1.4 points per possession to be expected uh, off of free throws. So you want to get as many free throws as possible just to boost your offensive efficiency. It's probably the easiest way to do it, um, or one of the easier ways. Uh, I just said reducing turnovers was the easiest way to do it. So, you know, that's, again, that's another positive. That's part of why their offense is so good. And, you know, that's because they have a lot of players that can really get to the line on this team. They have Bradley Beal, uh, Russell Westbrook can get to the line, Thomas Bryant gets to the line a lot, even like Robin Lopez gets to the line a good amount, like Rui is starting to get better at that. So having all these guys that do get to the line is really going to help their offense. And, again, their offenses have been good. These are some of the reasons why. Um... Their defensive rebounds, uh, they're actually pretty good. Like, just watching them, like, according to the eye test, I <laughs> I wouldn't agree with this. But I guess it's because, like, it's just so painful to watch another team grab a rebound. That's kind of why uh, the eye test, I guess, would over-exaggerate why, um, you know, how many rebounds the other team gets. But the Wizards are ninth in the league at a 23.6% opponent offensive rebound percentage, you know? And that's good. Top 10 in the league at any metric is pretty good. That's where you want to be. And, um, you know, players that are, like Thomas Bryant has the best defensive rebound over Robin Lopez gets defensive rebounds. Uh, Westbrook gets defensive rebounds. Rui's fine at getting defensive rebounds, you know. And, like, Danny can also get some defense, like, defense rebounds. Beal, like, they, have a, they don't have any, like, monstrous rebounder, but they have a lot of guys that can help out. And then, you know, it also helps that they've played the Magic twice. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, the way that Steve Clifford coaches uh, the Magic is that they just don't go after offensive rebounds at all. They just run back and present, uh, prevent uh, transition opportunities for the other team, which is um, 
you know, that does <laughs> help the Wizards defense rebounding percentage because they're just getting like uncontested rebounds off Magic Miss. But, um, you know, still top 10 in the league is very good. Uh, their half court offense is good. They're 12th in the league at 99.1 points per play, uh, which is again, pretty good, uh, you know, top half of the league. And this is kind of where I think Scott Brooks thrives. I think this is where he's the best. He does have good sets that he can go to, like especially for Beal. He has a lot of experience coaching Beal, and he's come up with a lot of uh, good sets that get him good looks, such as the Wizards love running that double pin down for Beal, and he gets a lot of good looks out of that. And then they also have Scott Brooks loves just to just to run the, that play just with different varieties. They run it for uh, Bertans a lot. Um, they use Beal as a screener a lot in that play. Like as the first screener, they have someone come off the double pin down and then curl. And then they have Beal come off a single pin down with the guy who was a second screener in the double pin down, if that makes sense. And, you know, just stuff like that where they have Beal um, set one of the screens in the pin down and slip. They have Beal... Uh, fake that he's going to come off the double pin down and slip. You know, they have a lot of wrinkles out of that double pin down. Uh, Scott Brooks loves to run that play. Uh, but also, you know, he runs a lot of interesting plays with like uh, Thomas Bryan pick and pop, that kind of thing. Um, but I would love to see him expand his uh, playbook a little bit. Um, but, you know, maybe he will. Uh, training camp is really short, so we'll see about that. Um, this team is second in the league in getting out in transition off live rebounds. And that's, you know, mostly thanks to Russell Westbrook. Uh, that's really where he thrives, just as a grab-and-go guy, uh, getting rebounds and pushing the ball. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll talk about the transition efficiency later. But, uh, again, getting on transition is a really, really good way to boost your offensive efficiency. It's way more efficient to score in transition than it is to score in the half court. And that's, you know, from obvious reasons. Um, just players aren't back. Uh, matchups aren't right. Uh, that kind of thing. There's more spacing. Um, so getting on transition is a really good way to boost your offensive efficiency. I really like that the Wizards have been doing that so far. Um, and then again, they shoot a really high percentage inside the arc and they also shoot a pretty good percent. <laughs> like they've been shooting pretty good all around. Um, they're 12th and shooting at the finishing at the rim at 65.1% and fifth at scoring in the mid range at 44.5%. Um, you know, like at the rim, like Bryant has been really good. Like Robin Lopez can finish around the rim. They have a Beal can finish around the rim. Uh, Rui Hachimura has been better there. Uh, they have a lot of guys that can finish, um, and then again, they have a lot of guys that can make mid-range jumpers, like pretty much everyone on the team uh, at this point. So uh, that's probably why they're so high there. Um, they're shooting above average from three, shockingly, at 39%. They're seventh in the league. Um, I think some of that is probably due to shooting luck. Like we're so early into the season, you can't put too much stock into any of these numbers that I'm saying because uh, we're only 10 games in. Uh, the Wizards don't shoot that many threes, and they're 39%, which is great so far. But uh, I think some of that's due to shooting luck. Um, who's really only have like two above average shooters on their team? Three. Garrison at four, maybe if you included Anthony Gale, but, um, you know, 39% so far has been pretty good. That's part of the reason why they're doing so well, but I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, just the whole three-point shooting thing. Um, and then the last positive I've written down is they're allowing the least number of shots at the rim, the eighth least number of shots from three, which are, you know, the two things that offenses want to get, but they allow the most mid-range jumpers by far uh, in the league at 43% of the opponent's shots are mid-range jumpers, which is what you want to give you want to take away shots at the rim um and they're on the least number of shots at the, the shots at the rim are the most efficient shots in basketball um despite what anyone wants to go oh analytics people love threes no analytics people love shots at the rim number one that's the most efficient thing that you can get and the wizards are really preventing shots at the rim uh why that is i honestly have no idea the rim protection isn't good um but 
<laughs> and they're eighth in shots from three, which is the second most efficient thing out of these two things. And then mid-range shots are the least efficient thing. And they're 43% of the opponent's shots are from mid-range. Um, a really interesting stat on cleaning the glass is location effective field goal percentage, which is like, it basically says if the other team shot average at um, all the shots that they're taking, like an average percentage, uh, what would their effective field goal percentage be? And the Wizards are first in that metric, which basically means that they are good at what they allow the opponents to shoot, if that makes sense. Like they they allow the opponents to shoot lower percentage shots and they just have been happening to make them at a pretty high rate, um, which, you know, is a big positive because eventually that's going to regress to the mean teams aren't going to be shooting so well against the Wizards every single game for the rest of the season. So that's that's actually a very positive thing. Um, yeah, so on to the negatives, uh, areas of negativity. I have a few down. Uh, there's plenty I could talk about. I could sit here doing a whole hour-long episode on negatives, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so they have the second-worst defensive free-throw rate in the league at 27.1%. Um, they have a ton of guys that foul a lot. Thomas Bryant fouls a lot. Even, like, Westbrook fouls some. Uh, Lopez fouls a lot. You know, basically everyone who is ever near the rim fouls a lot, which is really bad. Like like I said earlier, um, free throws are incredibly efficient. They're, like, one of the more efficient shots that you can get. So if you foul the other team a lot and send them to the line, then their offensive efficiency is going to be good and your defensive efficiency is going to be bad. And that's kind of like what we've seen with the Wizards so far. Um, again, they're not good at protecting the rim. 68.6% uh, allowed. Um, you know, if you expand that to a per 100 possession basis, that would mean your defensive rating is like above 130. I got to do that 136-ish. No, that's not right. 133, 134-ish, uh, um, which sucks. Uh, you know, Thomas Bryant is not a good rim protector. He's never been a good rim protector. He's working on it. Uh, he's still not there. Uh, Lopez, you know, uh, he doesn't really jump. Like, he's good with his positioning. Doesn't really, can't jump at all. Um, and again, like no one else, they have no really real rim protections on the team, which is why that number is going to be so high, but also like their rotations suck. Um, so a lot of teams are getting like open looks, uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, that's all, uh, um, combination of all those things is why the Wizards suck at protecting the rim. Um, they're 30th in opponent short mid-range percentage at 52.6% and 30th in all mid-range percentage at 49.1%. And I put this in the negatives, but um, because obviously, like being last in the league and something isn't good. But I think that this might be a good thing, uh, just to look at these numbers because like teams aren't going to keep shooting that well from mid range against the Wizards. Like a, I think a lot of that could just be like shooting luck and who they've who they play. Like the Magic are really good at shooting at mid range, and they play them twice. Um, I'm trying to think of who like I guess the Sixers, uh, <laughs> who they've played twice. Um, yeah, I don't know why those numbers are so high. Honestly, I. I, my best guess would just be shooting luck. Like oh, on open mid-range shots, teams usually don't shoot that high of a percentage. So you would think that that those numbers are going to go down. And then as those numbers go down, the Wizards' defensive efficiency is going to go up. So honestly, I think that this is probably a positive that teams have been shooting this well and the Wizards haven't been like horribly, terribly, terribly awful on defense. They've been 24th. Um, so honestly, this is a good thing to me. Um, they're bad in offensive transition, which is not a good thing to me. Um, so they're 22nd with 116 points per play um, per 100 possessions, um, despite having the fourth highest transition frequency. Um, and, you know, this is really because they don't have anyone to finish. Uh, Thomas Bryant's a really good finisher around the rim, but um, he's not really like one of those wings that's streaking down the court uh, in transition with the ball in his hands, like a LeBron James type of guy. Like they don't have a LeBron James or even like a lob finisher, like a 
I don't try like a Derrick Jones Jr. I guess would be a good example of that as someone like a, just a wing that runs down the court and then you could throw it up to and he catches it at the top of the top of the square. Um, they have no one like that. Like it's you know Russell Westbrook running down the court with like Denny. Like, um, you know we just don't have play finishers to finish uh, our transition opportunities and you know that's that's fine. Like if you're 116 points per 100 possessions, uh, that's would mean you're one of the best offenses ever. I think the best offense ever. Um, so continue to get out in transition, even though your transition offense isn't great. It's way better than your half-court offense. So again, like transition offense isn't good, but that's not too much of a negative. And then lastly, uh, of course, I got to end on a defensive stat. They're 27th in half-court defense with 102 points per play per 100 possessions. Um, again, no good defenders on the team get consistent minutes. Their rotations aren't good. Um so, and then the other teams are just shooting really well at the end of the day. So that's kind of where all that comes into play to make the Wizards have such a bad defense. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Yeah, so I've spent the first almost half-ish of this podcast talking about just the team as a whole. I want to touch on all the players that I think matter. Well, I guess which is all the players. I want to touch on pretty much all the players. Uh, I think this team has a lot of interesting guys, um, and I'm excited to talk about all these players. Uh, so first one I want to talk about, obviously, Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal has been absolutely, unbelievably awesome so far this season. He is, he's incredible. Uh, <laughs> he's the only reason the Wizards have won two games this season. Without him, the Wizards would be 0-10 easily. Uh, he He's unbelievable. I cannot believe he wasn't an all-star last season. Like, he is so good. Okay, <laughs> I'm done uh, saying stuff like that. But So Beal is scoring 35 points, uh, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists on 60% true shooting, which is Unbelievable. For I'm gonna say the true shooting for all these guys. So just for reference, average league average true shooting last year was 56.5 percent. Um, so 60 percent. And again, that's you know average of all guys, including like centers who just shoot shots right next to the rim. Um, so for Bradley Beal to be shooting 60 percent true shooting is unbelievable for the shots he's been taking. Um, part of part of that is just he's visibly stronger. Like the announcers talk about it all the time, but it's definitely true. Uh, his shoulders look more shredded like <laughs> i don't know how to say it like his shoulders look more ripped shredded they just, they look bigger um you know his arms look visibly visibly stronger and he is visibly stronger he takes contact way better than he did last season he gets to the line way way more often than he did last year which like i said before is a really good way to boost your efficiency like he hasn't been shooting incredibly well um you know, from but getting to the line has really, really helped him to get to that 60% true shooting mark. That's like a kind of like the holy grail of like, oh, wow, you're really efficient is 60%. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, it's a whole number, rule of 10 type of thing. But um, so he's been shooting 38.6% from three, which is really, really good. 
um, especially for off the dribble shots that he's been taking, contested shots, self-created shots. Um, and then also 52.4% um, from two, which isn't very good. Like if just shoot, true shooting wise, that's 52.4%. True shooting basically, it's like the best measure of efficiency. It's like if all your shots were two pointers, what would your percentage be type of thing? Point, it's hard to explain. <laughs> just know that 56.5% is average. And um, yeah, <laughs> so he's, but he's self-creating a lot of his looks. Like he is better at creating shots than he was last season. Like, and that's just visibly true. And he is making more of his shots. And that's really, he's been carrying the Wizards. I wouldn't say carrying the Wizards offense, but he is the engine that drives the Wizards, Wizards offense. Um, but, you know, a couple, he could, I think a scary thing for other people is that like he could get better um, in terms of shot collection and creation shot selection and in terms of just like how scott brooks uses him um he's taking way more long twos and far fewer threes than he was last season which i hope will change because bradley beal is such a good shooter um so 47 percent of his shots are mid-rangers which is up 12 percent from last year um but he's shooting 50 percent from mid-range which is good but if you think about his 60 percent true shooting 50% from mid-range is 10% less. So per possession, you're giving up 0.2 points for every time Bradley Beal shoots a mid-range jumper compared to what else he could be shooting. But, um, you know, part of the reason I am i wouldn't get on him too much for that is just because Bradley Beal's mid-range shot sets up the rest of the aspects of his game. If teams have to step up and guard him at mid-range, then he can get to the rim more, which he's been doing. He can get to the line more, which he's been doing. And then again, he can shoot from three more. And um, teams really got to step out on him on that pick and roll, which he is deadly in. Um, but again, he just, he needs to get to the rim more and shoot a little fewer mid-range jump shots. But like, I'm not going to kill him for that just because he is so good at shooting from mid-range. Um, but I think just part of the play calling, like Scott Brooks, I don't understand some of the um, things that he runs for Beal. Like he loves those pin downs, um, but like single pin downs, a lot of the times Beal is coming off them and catching the ball 18 feet from the rim. Um, and he really should be catching him 24 feet from the room, right outside the three-point line, maybe a foot behind so he can step into a three. Um, but there's no reason for Beal to be coming off pin downs 18 feet, 15 feet from the basket. Uh, they should all be from three. It, it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> when, when those kind of things happen. Like, I understand that Beal likes operating in the mid-range, but if you let him operate from three, he has more space to get to the rim, uh, more space for Brian to, or whoever's setting the pin down to, um, dive to the basket or again if you have batons like setting a pin down and then popping out i think that'd be awesome uh but i'll get into that more later but um it it some of the play calling just doesn't make sense and that's part of why Beal has been shooting a lot more long twos instead of uh threes or shots at the rim um but uh Beal's, like i guess the argument for why he was an all-star or an all-nba player last year was that he sucked at defense and um, I agree that that should have kept him from All-NBA. I don't agree that that should have kept him from being an All-Star. But that's a topic for another day. But um, he's better defensively. Uh, he's just more active um, than he was last year. Like last year, he, he couldn't care less about defense. And this year, he could care less, but, um, you know, not by much. Um, he, he just, he's definitely a negative on that end. He falls asleep. He misses a lot of help responsibilities. He helps off the strong side corner a lot. And those are all things that are big no-nos on defense. So he's definitely still a negative, but he's definitely better than he was last season. I'm um, just diving into his on-off numbers, um, which again, are, they are very noisy. So I'm going to say the on-off numbers for all these guys, just because I think they're interesting, but they are very noisy. They're not perfect measures. Uh, just because a lot of on-off numbers depends on who you come in for, um, who you're on the floor with, uh, and who you're playing against. Um, so, you know, they're not perfect measures, but I think when they're ridiculous, then they 
can be used in an interesting way. Um, so the offense is way, way, way better with Bilal on the floor. They're 17.4 points per 100 possessions better, but the defense is way worse at 10.4 points per 100 possessions, but that's still a pretty good net rating. Uh, overall, Beal is a clear, clear, clear net positive. He's clearly by far the best player on this team, and he should easily be an all-star this season. I'll be shocked if he's not. Um, he's one of the best two guards in the league. Not the best two guard, uh, despite what Drew Gooden might think, because James Harden still exists, but... Beal should definitely be an all-star this year. Um, if he's not, then I will throw a fit on this podcast. Um, yeah, so moving on to someone who I will say a lot less positive things about is Russell Westbrook. Um, Westbrook has been terrible this season. Like, I'm, I see, like, Wizards Twitter, Wizards fans talking about, like, oh, West, West, Westbrook gets so many triple-doubles. He's averaging a triple-double. Like, Westbrook has been terrible this year. I don't know what people are... Like, people aren't watching the games if you just look at his triple-double numbers and think he's been playing well. Like, he's been absolutely atrocious. And no offense to Westbrook. Like, I'm, I'm going to talk about how some of it isn't his fault, but, like, he, he has to be better. Um, so he's averaging 19, 10, and 11 on 45% true shooting. Again, league average is... 56.5. So every time Russell Westbrook shoots, that's <laughs> it's a bad thing, um, according to just pure numbers. Um, so he's 40.2% on twos, which is god awful. That's terrible. And 30.3% um, on threes, which is, um, you know, about his average. Uh, it's below average. Like, it's not the end of the world. Um, so he's just, he's just looked terrible. Like, he doesn't look like himself. I'm so watching Westbrook last season. Um, D'Antoni and, uh, what's his name? Darren Morey kind of laid the blueprint, like foundation of how to use Westbrook and kind of just space the floor, uh, let him operate, let him run transition, um, let him get to the rim, uh, let him do all that, just give him a ton of space and let him work and he can get to the rim and be pretty good. Um, and this year he just hasn't looked like himself and some of that's coaching and some of that's on him. Um, he's self-creating far less shots than he has in the past, just especially, uh, at the rim. Um, only 24% of his shots have come at the rim. Like last season, that was at 49%. And that's where Russell Westbrook's at his best. Again, just getting to the rim, getting to the line, finishing at the rim, using his athleticism, using his burst, um, creating for others when he gets, because he drives to the rim, people collapse, and he can kick out for a shooter. Like That's the formula for Russell Westbrook to be successful. And the Wizards just haven't been doing that at all. And it's painful to watch. Um, 35% of his shots are long twos, which puts him in the 97th percentile, which is which is a bad thing. Like I should present that as a third percent. Like that's a bad thing. And he's 54% of his shots are mid-range jump shots. Like that's bad. And to make things even worse, he's shooting 33% from mid-range. So, so his true shooting percentage is 33% from mid-range, which would be about 23 points below league average. Um, 33% from mid-range puts him at the 25th percentile, um, but he's 59% at the rim. He, <laughs> he's still good at finishing at the rim. Like I it's mind-boggling what's what's been going on with him so far this season. Um, so just to put in perspective, 33% from mid-range, um, that would, if Russell Westbrook only shot mid-range jumpers for the whole team's offense, that would put them at a 66, 66 offense rating-ish. Um, yeah, and that would make them the worst offense by, <laughs> by like 50%. Um, so that's... It, it doesn't make sense. Um, part of that is on him, just like the shot selection sucks, but part of it is on the coaching. Um, playing Westbrook next to Robin Lopez doesn't help his, like it hurts him so much because uh, Lopez can't score outside of three feet. 
Um, so just putting Lopez in there just clogs up the lane. It doesn't let Westbrook drive and finish. It doesn't let him do what Westbrook. It doesn't put him in an advantageous situation, which is you know what you want to do with all your best players. You want to put them in an advantageous situation, and putting Lopez on the floor doesn't do that at all. He needs space to operate. There are lineups out there that Scott Brooks can implement that puts a lot of space next to Westbrook. Um, you know, like I'm going to get into some of the players later, but Bertans should and uh, Thomas Bryant should be playing next to Westbrook a lot. Garrison Matthews should be playing next to Westbrook a lot. Even like Denny is, you know, he's capable enough as a shooter. Um, those type of guys, even like I'm not going to say Troy Brown, but someone like that, um, and also Beal, obviously. Um, like Westbrook should be surrounded by shooters every time he's on the floor. And the fact that there's ever a non-shooter next to Westbrook, such as Ish Smith or Robin Lopez. It just makes zero sense, and it really, really hurts his play style, and it really hurts him as a player. And that's part of the reason he's been really, really struggling this year. Um, but part of the reason also is himself. But, like, coaches also need to encourage him to take it to the rim and just be aggressive. Um, like, at times when he's posting up and he's doing drop steps and he's, like, just using his strength to get to the rim, he looks really good. Um, when he gets a switch and he just takes it to the rim and he gets a foul, he looks really good. Or when he takes it to the rim and he kicks out for an open shooter, um, he looks great. Like, there are times where he looks really, really good. It's just it's flashes instead of consistency. And last year it was like, usually with Westbrook, it's consistently good. And then flashes of awful, like this year it's been consistently bad. And then only flashes of good, which is not encouraging at all. Like the coaches need to encourage him to take it to the room, be aggressive. The coaches need to encourage him to cut out, cut the fat out of his diet. Like he takes these terrible post fades. Like he'll be against like a smaller, shorter, less strong defender to shoot a post fade. Like that, that's not what you want. That's awful. And he, Takes these horrible, like, pull-up mid-range bank shots that never go in. Like, he, some of the shots he takes are so bad, and part of that is definitely 100% on him, but a lot of that is also on the coaching staff. They need to talk to him and just say, West, like, Russ, you cannot shoot these shots. Like, they're killing our offense. Um, so <laughs> that's my little Westbrook shooting shot selection rant. <laughs> um, yeah, I, he's... We'll see how he does the rest of the season. I hope he gets better. Like, he's... He's legitimately a good player. Like, I'm pretty low on Westbrook, but he is a really, really good regular season player, um, and he shouldn't be looking this bad so far. Um, so just getting into <laughs> some of his other aspects, uh, the rebounding numbers are good, um, but 45, he, he, he's got to hold the record for most opponent free throw misses by a guard. Um, he rebounds 45.5% of the opponent free throw misses, which is, for a guard, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, 84% of his rebounds are uncontested and that's kind of why his numbers are so inflated. He averages like 10 a game. Um, he's not like the, he's a good offense. Like he's a good rebounder, but he's not like some unbelievably good rebounder. He, he does do like the Wizards clear out and let him get rebounds and that at least transition opportunities. It makes sense why they do it, but it's not like Westbrook is some great rebounder. <laughs> he's a good offensive rebounder though, which is, you know, where he really, I think that's his best rebounding aspect instead of defensive rebounding. Um, just because like all his defense rebounds are uncontested, either free throw misses or just ball bounces like to him and the Wizards box out type of thing. Um, but again, he he's a pretty solid rebounder. He helps him out there. Um, just looking, uh, just thinking about like I think his best aspect attribute I guess is his playmaking ability. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a really really good passer. Uh, he has a high passing IQ. He knows where guys are on the floor. He can make that uh, cross quarter pass. Uh, he can pass with either hand off a live dribble. Like I think he's a really really good passer. I think that's Honestly, like out of all like scoring, rebounding, shooting, all that kind of stuff, defense, like his best attribute to me is his passing and playmaking. And he has been doing that this year. He is, he's still a really good passer, which is exciting. He just needs to get somewhat, he needs to get a lot better as a scorer. And again, that's going to, getting better as a scorer is going to open up his, um, you know, game as a playmaker. Uh, and that's where he helps the Wizards the most, is just his playmaking. 
Um, and again, if he <laughs> helps his score, then maybe the teams aren't going to guard him with the center like they have been at times. Um, so looking at his on-off numbers, um, the offense is 9.5 points worse uh, with him, but the defense is 6.9 points better uh, with him. Uh, I think that's a lot of noise just because he subs in for certain guys. He plays on the floor without Bradley Beal a lot, so um, don't take those numbers too much. Um, but Turns the ball over a lot. That's kind of like the way he plays. Um, poor defender. Like, he has looked really, really bad defensively. He helps out the strong side corner all the time. His rotations are bad. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what you're going to get with Westbrook. You're going to get, like, you know he's a bad defender. Um, he's probably been worse than usual this season. But you know what he's a bad defender. You know he's going to take bad shots. You just have to, uh, I would say, just amplify the goodness, the good values of him, and then... Like try to try your best to cut out the bad things you're gonna get with him. Like th- there's just been too much bad things with him. Uh, but I I really like him as a regular season player. I <laughs> he can get a lot better than this. He's been like this has probably been the worst stretch of his career. Like outside of his first one or two years in the league. So don't expect him to be this bad the rest of the season. But just know that he's been really really bad. Um, yeah, moving on to Thomas Bryant. Um, he got hurt last night. It looked pretty bad. It looked pretty painful, but I'm just going to talk about him because I don't know anything about his injury as of right now. Um, but hopefully he's back. He's been awesome. Uh, well, compared to Thomas Bryant last year, he's been awesome. Um, so he's 14, six and two on 70.4% true shooting, but he's really averaging like 17 points a game. I think, um, he got injured last night, like within the first couple minutes of the game. So that's why his, um, scoring numbers are a little like down compared to what they actually are um, but his energy and effort level that he brings to the game is just it's been awesome like he runs the floor really really hard he tries really really hard on defense um you know he just works really really hard he's really passionate every time something goes doesn't go his way he gets really upset which <laughs> I, I mean I love it like he he wants to win you can tell that he really wants to win he really wants to play well um and he he leaves his heart on the line like he he plays really really hard which is something I really like in, so, in a player um efficiency wise he's awesome he's 71.4 percent on twos and 42.9 percent on threes like he's only shot 30 threes i think this year but um again that's an awesome percentage and um he has he's like one of the more efficient players in the league right now and 48 percent of his shots have come at the rim 30 percent are at mid-range and 22 percent are twos and that's a wide variety of shots um for considering how like unbelievably efficient he's been like usually if someone's 71 percent true shooting that's like what mitchell robinson was last year and he was like 90 percent shots right at the rim um so just for thomas bryan to be shooting like that wide variety of shots and to be that efficient is like that's unbelievable like that's <laughs> that's awesome um he's 90 percent finishing at the rim um uh, which is that's got to be hundreds like that's ridiculous um 90 percent of his looks he finished at the rim and again he really really benefits from playing next to Bradley Beal Russell Westbrook a lot of those are just open dunks but a lot of those are tough finishes like he is legitimately a good finisher around the rim um he's 43 percent on mid-range jumpers and 43 percent from three um like he's eventually going to fall back down to earth just in terms of efficiency but he does he's going to continue to get a lot of buckets just by cutting hard by running the floor by doing like you know the dirty work on offense that he does do really well um, and again, his defense has been his thing. Like he's one of the worst. He's been one of the worst defensive centers in the league. Um, but it has slightly improved this year. Um, but it's still like below average. He's not a very good rim protector. Um, he does move his feet well on the perimeter. Uh, you know, he gets blown by a lot. His rotations aren't great. He doesn't have a very high defensive IQ. He fouls way too much. Um, but again, just at a certain point, just like being willing to defend um, gets you somewhere. And that has been getting him somewhere. That's been getting him 
better on defense. Um, but he's still just not there yet, and that's like gonna it's gonna be something that holds the Wizards back. Like the, the center is the most important part of a defense, and if your center is a very very poor defender like Thomas Bryan is, then you're um, you know it is it's gonna really hurt your defense. It's gonna put a ceiling on your how good your defense can be. Um, to where that ceiling is is something like I'm not sure. Like the Wizards can definitely get better at defense, um, and part of that's gonna come with opponent shooting luck um, eventually coming back down to earth, but. Thomas Bryant, has, he's had a really good season so far, by far the best season of his career. Um, but he still has room to go. Uh, he's a really good offensive center, uh, which is why I think that um, it's fine that the Wizards start him, even though he's so bad at defense. Um, the offense is 5.9 points per 100 better with him, and the defense is 3.5 points better without him, uh, which, you know, makes sense. Um, but I hope his injury isn't too bad. He's really important to what the Wizards do, especially him playing next to Westbrook looks really good just because his ability to pop and shoot. Like, he's, he's looked a lot more confident as a shooter, which is exciting. Uh, so I, I hope his injury isn't bad, and I hope he can come back. Um, the next player I want to talk about is uh, Davis Bertans. And, <laughs> oh, man. Like, Bertans, he's been terrible, but um, it's, it's hard to know how much slack to cut him because uh, so during the pandemic, he was in Latvia, um, he said that he didn't play much five-on-five basketball. Like, he played no five-on-five basketball pretty much just being in Latvia during a pandemic. Like, I don't know uh, his family situation. I don't know how strict Latvian coronavirus protocols were. Um, so I don't know how much to blame him, but he's been so out of shape. <laughs> like, he, all his shots are short. Um, he isn't running. Like, last year, he set a ton of screens. He ran off a ton of screens. Like, he was really, really fun to watch just because how much he ran around on offense. And this year, like, none of that is going on. Um, which tells me that he's out of shape and Scott Brooks just can't run a lot of fun actions with him that he used to last year. Um, he's averaging 11-3-1 on 53.7% true shooting, which is bad. Um, and he's 32.5% from three. And last year he was at like, what, close to 45 or 43 or something like that. Um, and uh, again, a lot of the misses seem to be short. He's really, really bad on defense. Um, he just needs to get in shape. Like, I don't know, like, I, I would love to kill him because he just signed a uh, five-year, $80 million contract and he comes in out of shape but like this season out of all seasons it's hard to really get on guys for that but once he gets in shape I hope he's back like he's he would add a really really good element to this Wizards team like he's huge for their success he's third best player on the team um you know when he's 100% like early in the season he said he was like 70% uh (laughs) the 70% is really low um but hopefully I really want to see him get in shape he's so fun to watch when he's healthy he just hasn't been that guy this year, um, and the Wizards signed a huge deal, and it's it's just been disappointing to watch him. Like he's just not running the same actions that he used to, and like <laughs> he was so fun to watch. Like the offense, so just looking at the on-off numbers, um, the offense is six point nine points better with him, and the defense is 0.6 points worse without him. Um, but something that I think is really interesting, like even though he hasn't been shooting well, like teams know he's a shooter. And an interesting stat to me is that when he's on the floor, um, the team shoots 5.4% more shots at the rim than they do when he's not on the floor. So that, again, that goes back to spacing and gravity. Like if, like thinking that a player can shoot is almost as important as actually being able to shoot. Like if you get guarded from the three-point line, like Bertans definitely does, that opens up the floor for everyone else to drive to the rim. It um, prevents players from the helping off. Um, and that is pretty big for the offense, especially if you're Russell Westbrook. Um, so I would love to see Bertans just use more as a kind of decoy type guy just to, you know, keep the defense honest, um, make them play him, uh, you know, because he does, he still has a lot of gravity. And that said with the eye test when you watch him play, like people respect him. They know that he can shoot. They know he's one of the probably 10 best shooters on planet Earth. 
Um, so I want to see him play more. Uh, he's just not in shape to do it yet. But, you know, that's, you know, another level the Wizards can get to. Um, so we're 45 minutes. Okay. So we got to start going quicker. Uh, Denny, um, Denny Avdia, uh, 7 4 and 2 on 59.6% true shooting. He's been really, really good for a rookie. Uh, maybe one of the top three rookies so far. Like the best by far has been Halliburton. Second best has probably been LaMelo Ball. Um, third best, I have no idea. Uh, maybe Okoro, maybe Denny. Um, I don't think Wiseman and Anthony Edwards have been very good. Uh, Pat Williams, I guess, maybe, but probably not. Uh, I guess like Sadiq Bay, Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> I'm not going to get into all the rookies, but he's been really good for a rookie. Uh, he's way better defense than I thought he would be, but his offensive usage has been incredibly low because he's just not there yet on offense. Like He doesn't have enough of a package, enough of a skill package. Like He can't really shoot off the dribble. Uh, he doesn't really get to the rim much. He doesn't have too much of a handle. Um, but again, he's a rookie. Like Rookies are usually really, really bad, um, and he's probably a low... Uh, I don't know if he's a rotation-level player yet, but he's for a rookie, he's good. Um, he looks confident from three, um, but he doesn't really do much else scoring-wise. Uh, he shoots a really good percent from three so far, which is encouraging because uh, part of his, you know, drafting, like, well, why I was low on him coming out of the draft was because I couldn't, I didn't think he was going to shoot at all. Like, it's still a low sample, so we'll see how it goes from here, but uh, he's looked confident, which is good. Um, he's, a, he's a good passer. He keeps the ball moving. The ball doesn't stick. I think that's why he starts. It's just because Brooks likes people that, um, you know, the ball doesn't stick to their hands. Um, so that's a good thing. He can make some reads on the ball, uh, which is exciting. Uh, looking at his on-off numbers, uh, offense is 6.4 points better with him, and the defense is 0.6 points better without him. Uh, a lot of that is just because shooting luck. Like, he's not like some world-beater seven-point net rating player. But um, he's been solid for a rookie. I, If I were the coach, I'd play him less if I really, really want to win games just because he's not there yet. Uh, but he's encouraging. I think he's going to be a player in this league for a long time, and that's really all you want out of your ninth pick. Um, <laughs> something I want to touch on. A lot of people have been saying, like, oh, he comes from an international league, so obviously he's good as a rookie. Like, he comes from the Israeli league. Uh, <laughs> he played at Maccabi Tel Aviv, and they were by far the best team. And they're like, the Israeli league is not good. Um, he played at by far the best team in the Israeli league. Um, and the only reason he got so many minutes is because the, the way the Israeli league works, you need like four Israeli players on the floor or three at any point in time from your team. So that's why he got so many minutes. <laughs> so, and then also like when he played in Euro cup, like he didn't play at all. Uh, I just wanted to say that just to silence the people that are saying that, Oh, he's good. Cause he came from internationally. Like, no, <laughs> he's, he just happens to be good for a rookie. Um, yeah. So moving on to Rui, uh, he's only played six games. Uh, he's 14, four and two on 59% true shooting. Um, he's been actually pretty encouraging. Like I was really, really low on him coming into this year, but he's been solid. I guess like he's been a rotation level guy where he wasn't last year. So he's definitely improved. Uh, he gets to the line way more. Um, like the two things that he really struggled in were defense and just offensive decision-making and like getting to the, getting to the rim and he's getting to the rim way more. He's attacking way more. Like that's visibly just a really, really good thing. Um, but he still settles for too many jumpers, uh, which isn't a good thing, but you know, he's going to get there eventually. He's only in his second year. Like it takes time for guys to develop. I don't, people don't realize like how bad rookies are when they come in. Um, like Rui was straight up bad last year and he's straight up like, he's still like not good, but he's not like killing them like he was last year. Um, but again, it's too small of a sample to make anything out of his like overall numbers. But again, just getting to the rim, finishing with, through contact is going to be the next step in his development. Um, and again, making decisions. He looks, he definitely does look better as an offensive decision maker on the ball. Uh, he still has a ways to go. Like he misses a lot of guys on cuts and that kind of thing. But um, just like when he drives into traffic, he does make better decisions. He does see the corner better, uh, kicking the ball out, that kind of thing. So that's encouraging. Um, On-off numbers, um, offense is 2.5 points better with him and defense is 2.9 points with or worse with him. 
Um, so I don't know how much better the defense have gotten. Like he's <laughs> he's excited to guard people, um, but uh, <laughs> he gets cooked a lot in individual matchups, and he's still not very good off the ball defensively. But I, I you know, it's a small sample. I want to watch more of him uh, defensively just to get a, a gauge on how he is. And <laughs> one other thing I want to say is Scott Brooks stop posting up Rui Hachimura against Bam Adebayo and Kevin Durant. Those are terrible matchups. And Marcus Smart also. Those are all such bad matchups. I don't know why Scott Brooks loves to send Ruby to the post against good defenders. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, moving on. I want to talk about all three, these three guys at once because they're kind of like lower importance guys. Um, so Howell, Neto, Ish Smith, and Robin Lopez. Um, so Neto is, he's been actually pretty good. He's been a spark plug off the bench. But so I think he's a really good backup point guard. I When he starts like with against like starters, I don't think he looks very good. Um, the offense is 1.7 points better with him, and the defense is 8.5 points um, worse with him on the floor. Like, he's been shooting really well. I think that he, you can put him next to Westbrook, and it actually makes sense uh, just because he really gets at it defensively. He would guard the other team's point guard. And then, like, on offense, he can space the floor, and he can make decisions with the ball in his hand. Um, I think he should be the clear backup point guard. And then I think Ish Smith should be the third point guard. Um, and Ish Smith would be a good third guard because uh, he can play with the ball in his hands. Like when Westbrook is off the floor, I think it makes sense to have Ish Smith on the floor. Um, he's 44% true shooting, 52% mid-range jumpers, uh, or 52% of his shots are shooting from mid-range, and he's terrible at mid-range jumpers. Um, like Ish Smith is not good on offense, at, like in terms of scoring at all. Like he he really really hurts the team a lot. Uh, he loves to do that thing. Like he gnashes around the basket, but like. Oh man, he just, he cannot score efficiently. It's it's hard to watch him sometimes. Like the team is um, thirteen point seven points worse with him offensively, which makes perfect sense to me just based off the eye, eye test. And I have no idea how the defense is ten points better with him, um, but <laughs> but that, again, that's why you can't put much too much into this. But Smith, I think he hurts the team. Like I don't understand the theory behind putting him. Like I understand the theory behind he can handle the ball, but I, I don't understand the theory behind playing him so much. Um, so I would definitely have Neto as a backup and then Ish Smith as a third guard if I were the coach, but, you know, I'm not the coach. Um, and then Robin Lopez, um, he looks slow, uh, but he knows what he's doing. Like, And there's a certain level of, uh, like, where you can get to if you just know what you're doing out there. Like, Lopez knows what he's doing. He doesn't do anything stupid. Uh, his defensive positioning is always good. Um, that's where, you know, the Wizards needed him. Uh, solid defensive rebounder. Um, the offense is 13.5 points worse with him, and the defense is 4.4 points worse with him. Uh, I don't, I don't know too much about that defense, um, defensive stat. Um, but offense, like I understand why the offense would be so much worse with him. Like he clogs the lane. He should never be playing with Westbrook. Um, but he can set screens and roll to the basket. He can finish around the rim. He has that little post hook that he goes to like every single time he touches the ball in the post. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when teams somehow learn to defend him. Because he does that move every single time. He's been doing it for the past however many, 13, 14 years he's been in the league. Um, so at a certain point, someone's going to say, hey, he's doing this move to the left shoulder every single time. But they haven't so far. Um, so, you know, keep doing it. Um, yeah, but Lopez, uh, man, if Thomas Bryant is out and Lopez has a start, that's going to be hard to watch. That's going to suck. I just thought about that. Okay, I don't want to think about that too much. Um, next players I want to talk about are players, uh, well, two interesting players who I think should, I have no idea why they're not in the rotation. First one is Isak Bonga. Like, Bonga should be starting. Like, I, he's so much better at defense than any other perimeter defender on the Wizards. Um, I don't understand why he's not playing. Like, I, if I were the coach, my starting lineup would be, well, I would, I would put Bonga in for Denny, I guess. Or I'd put 
Hmm. I'd probably put Bonga in for Rui, actually. If I were the coach and then have Denny, Bonga, Beal, Bryant, and Westbrook, um, like, because he can guard the other team's best wing or best perimeter player, and the Wizards have no one to do that. Like, right now, it's Rui, and Rui gets cooked. Like, Rui cannot move his feet with uh, quicker wings, and Rui doesn't necessarily have the strength or the length right now. Well, I guess he has the length. He doesn't have the strength or just, like, the know-how, I guess, to guard bigger guys. And I think Bonga is just so much better on defense. Like, his on-off defensive numbers are ridiculous. Um, the offense is 7.8 points worse with him, which, you know, makes sense. He's a really, really low-usage offensive player. Uh, his jump shot looks a little better, um, but, you know, he doesn't. He barely gives you anything on offense, like, let's be honest. But his defense is the defense is 21.4 points per 100 possessions better with him. And the eye test, like, it's clear that that's true based on the eye test. Like, not to that extent, obviously, because that's ridiculous. But to a certain extent, like, he has to be out there just to guard the other team. Like, the Wizards get killed because their defense is bad. And he's their best defensive player. He should be playing. It doesn't make sense. Um, anyway, <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's my Isak Banga rant that I'm going to give every single game when he gets a DNP coach's decision. Um, but so get ready. I'm going to be talking a lot about Isak Bonga, even though he's not going to be playing. I, he should, I, it doesn't make sense. He should be in the rotation. Um, another guy who should be in the rotation is Troy Brown. Um, he's another wing. He can play some competent defense. Like he's not a great defender, but he can at least defend someone. Um, he, he can handle the ball. Uh, I think he's, I think he would be a way better primary ball hunter than Ish Smith just in terms of helping the team win. But he has struggled. Like I understand why he hasn't been playing because he's struggled so much. But his shot looks better. He looks more confident in it. Um, he can handle the ball. But I don't think he's really been put in a position to succeed. He's on the floor a lot with like Ish Smith and Russell Westbrook and not touching the ball. Like he needs the ball in his hands to be good. And um, I would put him out there next to like Howell Neto and then like not bring Ish Smith in and put Troy Brown in there instead uh, just to provide another level of defense and then have him handle the ball. Uh, and I think that could be interesting. Uh, on-off numbers, the offense is point, 6.5 points worse with him, and defense is 9.8 points worse with him. So, like, again, he has been struggling. Like, I understand the theory behind not playing him so far, but I would play him <laughs> um, just based on, like, what he did last season and what I think he is. Um, next player I want to talk about is Jerome Robinson. Um, I, why is he playing? Like, out of Bonga, Troy Brown, and Jerome Robinson, Bonga and Troy Brown are so much better than him. Um, and Jerome Robinson got his fourth year option declined, uh, recently. Like, I, it doesn't make sense as to why he's playing to me. Um, he, I don't think he gives you much shooting. I don't think he's that great of it. Like he can handle the ball a little bit. He's not a very good playmaker for others, but he can like shoot on the move a tiny bit, like just off the dribble. Um, but I don't think he's very good defensively either. I think the Wizards, the Wizards like him defensively. I don't get it. Like he's small. I don't think he moves his feet that well. He doesn't provide much off the ball. Um, it doesn't make sense to me, honestly, like why he is in the rotation at all. Um, the offense is 14.8 points worse with him, and the defense is 3.4 points worse with him. Again, don't put much too... Like, I want to dance around and <laughs> be happy that his numbers are bad, uh, just based on what I think, but you can't put too much stock into that. Uh, but again, the, the theory behind Jerome Robinson getting minutes doesn't make any sense to me. Um, whereas, you know, the theory for some of the other guys getting minutes does make sense. So I, I hope he's not going to be in the rotation to continue. I think the Wizards are way better without him and with a Troy Browner, Isak Bonga. And then Garrison Matthews is probably my favorite player on the Wizards. Um, I like If you listen to the trailer for this, I talked about Garrison. I well, I gave a Garrison Matthews shout-out uh, just because I love Garrison Matthews. I think there's no reason that he shouldn't be playing. I think, first of all, there's no reason he should be on two-way. He is an NBA player. He should be on an NBA contract. The Wizards bring him back on a two-way doesn't make sense. Like, Andrix Patrick Snicks is on a NBA contract, and he's he's got to be like the... Okay, I'll get into it later. He's got to be the worst player in the league, though. Um, but 
So he needs to play. Like before he had those two really, really good games, he um I was saying he needed to play. And after those two really, really good games, I'm saying he needs to play even more. Like he should be a clear part of the bench. Like if I was, okay, here's what I, if I were the coach, the bench unit would be uh Howell Neto, Troy Brown, um, Garrison Matthews, uh, I guess Robin Lopez and or Mo Wagner, um, and Rui Hachimura. That would be my bench unit. I think that that makes so much more sense just conceptually. Uh, but Garrison Matthews is awesome. <laughs> he can shoot. And he, he's been, he hasn't even shot that well so far this season, but he's been defending so incredibly well. Like, he's so active on that end. Um, he, he has to be in the rotation. He's honestly, like, he's been so much better than Jerome Robinson. He's been one of our better players this season, and he's only played in two games. Um, but yesterday, he looked. He was arguably the best player on the floor yesterday for the Wizards um, when they played without Westbrook and Beal. Um, he scored like 21, 20, 21 points, um, and he was awesome defensively. He can shoot the ball. He spaces the floor. Uh, he would look awesome next to Westbrook, honestly. Um, he would look awesome next to Beal. He'd look, he's so, he's good. Like He's legitimately a good player. He sh- he's a good bench player. Like He would be a really good bench player on this team. Um, and his on-off stats are ridiculous. <laughs> so I get, don't put any stock into these. I just want to say them out loud because um, he's only played in two games. He's played in like 35 minutes this season. So th- these numbers mean like nothing. Um, but the offense is 30.1 points better with him. And the defense is 15.5 points better with him. Um, I think the expected wins go up by like 55 uh, with him on the floor. Like this is, he'd be like the greatest player of all time if he could keep this up, like by far, like the best player ever, like by like a, a giant margin, if he could keep up those numbers uh, in terms of net rating. But that's not possible, like honestly. But um, but he's he's so good. He he is a really really high level like bench player. He plays defense and he can defend or plays defense. Can, that doesn't make sense. He he plays defense and he can shoot like. And he does both of those at a high level. Um, I don't know what Scott Brooks has been thinking not playing him. That's my Garrison Matthews rant for this episode. Um, yeah, if Garrison Matthews ever gets a DNP again, I'm going to give another Garrison Matthews rant. Um, last person I want to talk about is Scott Brooks. Um, this is going to wrap up the episode. We are uh, about an hour in. Okay, I'll probably go five to ten minutes on Scott Brooks, and that's going to be it. Um, so Scott Brooks... He's done some good things. He's done some bad things. I think that, so I want to talk about Scott Brooks a lot because, well, not a lot, but for a little bit because um, coaching is just so underrated in this league, like from like the average fan perspective. Um, Like coaching is a huge part of teams winning and losing in this league. Uh, They just, (laughs) like so much of it is based on coaching. Like it's, uh, I think that the three best coaches in the league are Spolstra, Nick Nurse, and Brad Stevens. And like, there's a reason those three teams that they coach are so good. And there's also a very good reason why those three teams um, are so much better in, like, than they should be uh, when you just look at the roster construction. Um, and again, like, if you look at teams in the West, like, who wins in the playoffs and who loses in the playoffs, like, the coaching battle is a real, real thing. Like, I'll say last year, like, the Heat are not a better team than the Bucks, like, last season. But Spolstra, so much better as a coach than Mike Budenholzer in the playoffs. Like, that's a huge reason why they won that series in six games. And, like, people don't talk about it. People are just like, oh, Giannis, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Jimmy, blah. Like, no. Like, Spolstra is a huge reason why that team won that series. It would, and uh, Budenholzer, a huge reason why the Bucks lost. Like, that's just not talked about enough. Um, so, yeah, coaching is super underrated. Coaching is a huge aspect. And Scott Brooks is the coach of the Wizards, so I got to talk about him a lot. Um, first of all, I want to talk about some scheme things. Um, just on defense, the Wizards do a lot more switching than they did last season. And just like thinking about the roster, like Rui and Denny, I guess, can switch with each other. Bradley Beal can do a little bit of switching. I don't know about Russell Westbrook switching, 
Um, but, you know, I guess it makes sense. I guess it's fine that they're doing more switching. I'd, I, I don't know if I like it, but I understand the theory behind it. I need to watch it more to kind of have a solid opinion on it. Um, and also, like, the ball screen defense has changed. Uh, last year, the Wizards just ran a deep drop. Like, they, when there's a ball screen, Thomas Ryan would basically be, like, right under the rim, just say, like, to have him not mess up. Um, but this year, the bigs are coming up a lot higher, and that hasn't been very good because the back line defenders aren't very good at rotating over to help on the uh, roller. Um, and then, like, so basically what you want to do, right, if the big comes up on the screen, you want to have the guy who's guarding the weak side corner uh, rotate over and help on the roller, and then the guy who's guarding the weak side guy free throw line extended-ish, um, you want to have him, like, kind of split the difference between the offensive guy in the corner and the guy in the wing. Um, so then when the ball, if the ball is passed to the corner, then he's there to close out. Um, and that last part where, like, um, someone's splitting two, um, the weak side wing defender, um, that hasn't been happening. <laughs> you get so many open looks in the corner, just because the Wizards aren't very good at rotating at all. Um, and that's part of the reason why the defense is so bad. And I don't like the scheme where the bigs come up higher. Like, I, I understand, like, against some players, like, against the... I don't even know who we played against who's that good of a shooter that the... I'm trying to think. I don't, it doesn't make sense. Like, I guess Zach Levine, maybe. Um, but um, there's no reason players should be coming up that high. Like, the big should be coming up that high on the screen because the backline rotations are so bad right now. Um, and then especially Robin Lopez shouldn't always be playing a deep drop coverage. There's no reason. He can't move. <laughs> like, he can't move. There's no reason for him to be playing that high. I don't understand why Scott Brooks changed the ball screen defense. Um, I think there should just be a straight deep drop. Um, so then you don't have to worry about the backline rotations. You don't have to worry about... Uh, Bigs moving their feet. Like, Thomas Bryant is fast, like, just running in a straight line, but he's not very good laterally moving his feet. So just bringing him that high doesn't make any sense. Like, guards can turn the corner against him so easily, and then once that happens, you're done. <laughs> like, it's done if that happens, and that happens a lot. I, I don't get it. Um, so, again, if I were the coach, ball screen defense, I'd do what the Wizards did last year and do run a very deep drop, um, which is what they should be doing. Like, I I guess Scott Brooks is just mixing it up to try to, like, experiment a little bit. But at this point, you've got to win games. you got to stop doing that. Um, in terms of offensively, it seems like there like there's more ball movement, but there's way less player movement. Like I have this vision of last season, um, right? Breton's running off tons of screens, Bradley Beal running off tons of screens, Shabazz Napier running off tons of screens. All these guys running off so many screens. There's just not as much as that going on this year. Um, I think part of that is just because like just getting a rhythm, um, getting new players acclimated into the system, that type of thing. But um, part of it might be playing calling. Like if I were, um, well, I guess I'll talk about sets in a second, but. And the Wizards are also, like, running the floor more, which is something I really like, something that I really like them doing with Westbrook um, because Westbrook is so good in transition and he gets a ton of rebounds. So I really like that Scott Brooks has been doing that more. That's a big positive for them. And even though their transition offense hasn't been great, uh, just getting out in transition really does help your offense, something I talked about earlier. Um, so something else I want to talk about is lineups. I don't understand some of the lineups at all. Like, I talked about this earlier. Like, uh, I, I'll touch on it now because I've already talked about it so much, but, like, Westbrook and Bryant are great together. Westbrook and Lopez are not great together. Westbrook and Lopez doesn't make sense. Westbrook and Bryant makes a ton of sense because Bryant can finish better. Uh, Bryant's a lob threat, um, and Bryant can pop, uh, and he can space the floor, uh, which really opens up things for Westbrook. Um, Bonga, Troy Brown, and Garrison Matthews should be in the rotation. Ishmith and Jerome Robinson should not. I already talked about that. Um, Westbrook should be surrounded by shooters at all possible times. I talked about that. Um, but again, um, Garrison Matthews should play more. Uh, and then having just one more point guard on the floor uh, has looked bad. Like two and three point guard lineups 
makes sense. Like I, my, I, I would assume Scott Brooks watches like the Toronto Raptors with uh, Van Vliet and Lowry, and then he watches like the Thunder last year with uh, Shea, uh, Gilders Alexander, CP3, and um, Dennis Schroeder, and. Uh, hmm, maybe I can do this with Howell, Neto, Ish Smith, and Russell Westbrook. Like, no, you cannot do that with Howell, Neto, Rus- Russell Westbrook, and Ish Smith. It doesn't make sense. The, those three guards are not nearly as good as those other, like, two and three guard lineups that we've seen. It makes no sense. And then, um, like, Westbrook and Ish Smith is probably, like, the worst combination I could possibly imagine. It makes no sense. There's been so many times when those two are on the floor. Westbrook drives to the lane, kicks it out. Ish Smith, wide open, no one within 10 feet of him. He kind of looks at the rim. And he can't shoot. Like, so then he dribbles in, and then he kind of thinks about shooting a mid-range shot, and then he doesn't shoot, and then it's just, like, kills the offensive possession. Like, no, there should never be more than one point guard on the floor if Westbrook is on the floor. Like, Neto and Ish Smith, I guess, kind of makes sense because um, they can have complementary offensive skill sets, but that's a killer defensive, like, killer in a bad way defensive unit. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are my kind of lineup foibles that I would think of getting out of there. Um, so in terms of sets, um, I love Beal coming off ball or off ball screens. Um, Beal, he runs a lot of single pin downs and double pin downs for him. Like, but I, I think that there could be more, um, player movement, uh, especially with Bertans and Beal on the floor at the same time. Like I want to see some crazy, like floppy action with Beal and Bertans. I want to see some crazy, like, uh, you know, just like hammer plays. Um, what's it like more wide action, like pin down, like just t- floppy, tons of crazy things. Like, why? There should be more creativity in how Beal and Bertans are used coming off screens. And part of that is because, like, Beal and Bertans exert so much energy. Or, well, not Bertans. Let's be honest. Beal exerts so much energy just running around, like, leading the offense with the ball in his hands. But Bertans, and then Bertans is out of shape. So it'll be interesting once we get, like, further into the season when Bertans is in better shape, what kind of cool, fun sets Scott Brooks runs. But for now, it's not cool and fun. <laughs> not as cool and fun as I hoped it would be. Um, and then Rus- Westbrook and Beal, like pick and roll, like when they run pick and roll with Thomas Bryant, it looks really good. Um, I kind of want to see that more. Also, Westbrook pick and pop with Thomas Bryant, I do definitely want to see more because um, those actions look awesome. Um, just And also, I touched on this earlier, but late game sets need, need to be more creative. Like if you're just running a pick and roll, that's not good enough uh, to get a good look. So uh, Scott Brooks, I challenge you to do more interesting things on offense. Um, if you're listening to this podcast for whatever reason. And then um, last thing, shot selection. Like part of that does stem from coaching. Team-wide, it's really bad. It's like Brooks needs to just praise shot selection um, more uh, to the team because Wizards do also have some shooting luck, and it's not going to last. Once their shooting luck runs out, they regress to the mean. Their offense is going to get worse. And if their offense gets worse to where it is now, um, that's going to be a disastrous thing. Um, but overall, like um, he does have guys playing hard, which I like. Uh, so we'll... You know, we'll see how the season goes, but um, playing hard does some of it stem from like Russell Westbrook, uh, but it does also stem from Scott Brooks. Um, so if he gets guys playing hard, then that's overall a really positive thing. Um, yeah. So just to recap, the Wizards are two and eight, uh, but there there's still a lot of room left. Um, so we'll kind of see how this whole thing goes. Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited. So the way it's going to work from here on out is I'm probably going to give like uh, game-to-game breakdowns just of what I saw in the game. They're going to be like 15 to 20 minutes. And then, um, yeah, I, I'm going to do like these kind of longer episodes. I get probably once a month. I'm not really sure. I'll try to bring on guests eventually. Um, but, you know, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you turn in, tune in next time. And uh, watch some Wizards basketball. It's exciting stuff, even though they're 2-8. and eight, You know, they're competing. Uh, so please tune in to the next Wizards game. They play against... 
the Suns on Monday. So I think this is probably going to come out Sunday. So tune into that Suns game, and then I'll talk about it on Monday or Tuesday. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.